Well, hey guys, and good morning. Uh, so this summer we are working almost verse by verse through the book of Philippians. And so we're going to jump right back in there today. But before we get started, I have a question for you. Have you ever questioned whether you were good enough to have a relationship with God? Have you ever asked yourself the question if you had maybe had done enough or had met enough standards or had checked enough boxes to go to heaven? Have you ever questioned whether or not you're really saved? I have. A lot, actually. In fact, I spent years of my life agonizing over these exact types of questions. And looking back at these seasons in my life, I think they were probably the seasons where I had the least amount of joy. Because when we're not confident about where our eternity lies, it sucks the joy right out of us. So where do we find confidence? And so like I said this summer, we're studying the first century letter in the Christian scriptures called Philippians. And this letter reveals an unexpected path to joy, a way to feel joy no matter what. And this unexpected path to joy is purpose. Purpose is the unexpected path to joy. Living with purpose provides meaning in life. Living with purpose stirs a passion for life. Living with purpose gives you a sense of direction and destiny in life. And in this series, our goal is to show you how you can experience joy by living your purpose. Because there is a difference between fun and joy. There is a difference between surviving and thriving. There is a difference between making a living and making a life. And you make a life by living your purpose. And a couple weeks ago, uh, we learned that the first step to living our purpose is believing in Jesus. Like, that's the most foundational thing. And so today, I want to talk to you about how we can have confidence that we're saved. Because a lack of confidence will trap you in a cage and keep you from living your purpose. And so as a young person, I struggled with my confidence in my own salvation of knowing whether or not I was really saved. And, and I struggled with my view of God. I struggled with my confidence because I was constantly getting mixed messages from those in the church. See, I had grown up hearing that if you wanted to be saved, that you needed to believe in Jesus. And if you, maybe you didn't grow up in church, or maybe you grew up in a different faith tradition than, than I did, that word saved, it means you believed in Jesus. It means that you're forgiven of your sins. It means that you're saved from an eternity separated from God. And it seemed pretty straightforward. And so when I was about 16, my friends and I, some of us, we, we went to a church camp, just like our teenagers are about to go away to camp this next week. And um, a group of us, we went to camp. And while we were at camp, a friend of mine, I'm going to call him Sam, um, Sam believed in Jesus for the very first time. And he was fired up. And I remember that weekend we got, we got home from camp and we, we went to a very, very small church. And so Sam stood up in front of everyone in our church and told them how he had believed in Jesus and told them how he had been saved. And he was fired up. And it was so amazingly like encouraging and inspiring to see a peer of mine expressing their faith in such a genuine and unapologetic and authentic way. It was 
awesome. And so a few years go by, as they do, and we all went our, different, our separate directions, and Sam started to live, um, he started to live life in a way that the church that I was a part of didn't agree with. He was doing some things that the church didn't agree with. And I remember um, sitting, I was sitting at this long table at church one evening, and like some of the leaders of the church were kind of sitting down here, and I overheard them as they started to talk about Sam. And they started talking about the things that Sam was doing. And I heard one of them say that if this was how he was living his life, if this was how he was behaving, then he must not really be saved. And I was so confused. Like, it confused me so very much because I had been there. I had seen what had happened. I had talked to Sam. I knew how fired up he was about this. I was confident that Sam had believed. Like, what do you mean he's not saved? Is believing in Jesus not enough? But according to what I was hearing from these church leaders, they didn't think that it was enough. Apparently, there were religious rules and regulations that were also required. Apparently, there were boxes to be checked. And when Sam started living a life that didn't follow these rules and that didn't check these boxes, the leaders in my church said that he wasn't saved. And this was a tipping point for me. And my confidence in my own salvation, my confidence in whether or not I was really saved was wrecked. And doubt began to enter in. Like, if I do something that you don't agree with, does that mean I'm not saved either? Or like, y'all, I was a teenager, so real talk. If you find out about the things that I'm already doing, does that mean I'm not saved either? I didn't understand what boxes I needed to check. I didn't understand what rules I needed to follow. And the weight of just not knowing and the weight of the religious rules and standards, it just made me feel trapped. Like I was trapped in a cage. How can I be confident that I'm saved if I don't even fully know what's expected of me? And so some of you had similar experiences in church to mine. Maybe you didn't fully understand what was expected of you. You didn't fully understand what boxes needed to be checked for you to be saved. Or even if you did understand or maybe kind of understood what was expecting, checking all of those boxes was difficult. Keeping up with all of those rules and regulations and rituals seemed daunting or maybe even unobtainable. And so you had no confidence in whether or not you were really saved. Like, do I have to be baptized? Do I have to participate in communion? What about last rites? Like, and the list goes on and on. Maybe you didn't grow up in the church. Maybe you didn't feel this tension inside the church like some of us did, but we all know what it feels like when we can't or don't meet someone's expectations. Right? We feel trapped. We know what it feels like to go through the grind of trying to check all the right boxes. Whether you struggled to meet your parents' expectations of you, or maybe a coach, a critical family member, a romantic partner, a teacher. And it seemed like no matter how hard you tried, you couldn't check all of those boxes. Or maybe even worse, maybe you didn't even know what was expected of you. So you were held responsible for boxes you didn't even know you were supposed to be able to check. And so you were never confident where you stood with that person. That's not any fun. 
If we want to live our purpose, we can't be focused over here trying to figure out what boxes we need to check to be saved. We don't need to be trapped in that cage. We need to be confident. Our gaze needs to come up. So how do we gain confidence? And so the new believers in Philippi that we've been learning about this summer, that we learn about in this, in this letter written to the Philippians, they were struggling with this same issue. They were struggling in their confidence. Like, what do I have to do to be saved? What boxes do I have to check? What religious rituals do I have to follow? Like, what, do, what is expected of me? And so we learned earlier that... Uh, they, they were having a very similar experience to what I had had in the church. They were getting uh, mixed messages. And so if you remember, the Apostle Paul, he had traveled through this city of Philippi. And when he had gone there, he had told the people in Philippi that, that if they wanted to be saved, what they needed to do was to believe in Jesus. And they got it. We can see in all through the letter of Philippians where they understood that. And they kept spreading the word about this good news about Jesus. But then they start to have some trouble when some Jewish believers come to Philippi. And what happened were these, were these were believers as well. They just had this Jewish background. And what was happening was uh, they were there to spread the good news of Jesus too. But they were giving the Philippians like kind of a mixed message. Because they said, sure, like do what Paul said. Believe in Jesus. That's great. But also you need to follow all of these rules and regulations. You need to do these religious rituals as well if you want to be saved. It kind of reminds me of old timer stories. Do you guys know what old timer stories are? All right, this is how you know a story is an old timer story. It always starts with the words, when I was your age. And then when you hear those words, it is time to buckle up because you are about to get 10 to 20 minutes about how much harder they had it than you and how they went uphill in the snow both ways and like all of that stuff, right? Like we've all heard those stories. And that's what these Jewish believers were doing to these Philippian believers. They were going, look, we had to follow all these rules. We had to do all these regulations. We had to do all of these religious rituals. So you need to do them too. And so they were getting, the Philippians, they were getting this mixed message. And they were trapped in by someone else's expectations. And it was wrecking their confidence in whether or not they were really saved. Have you ever been trapped by someone else's expectations? And so let's see what Paul has to say about this. So we're jumping in Philippians chapter 3. It says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. So this is what Paul has been talking about all through the book of Philippians, right? Have joy, rejoice, no matter what happens. Why does he continue to say this over and over again? Right? I never get tired of telling you these things. Basically, I say these things over and over again, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Okay, safeguard their faith from what? Let's see what he says. He says, watch out for these dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say that you need to be circumcised to be saved. All right, if you're thinking, Sherry, this just got weird. You're right, but stick with me because this is important, all right? So this is really simple. Circumcision was one of the religious rituals that the Jewish law had required. It was something that they would have all had to have done. And so something that, the religious, uh, something that all Jewish believers in the past would have had to have done. 
And so the Jewish believers had been telling these Philippian believers, these non-Jewish believers, that they needed to check this box if they wanted to be saved. It's a weird box, but let's just go with it, all right? And you can tell that Paul is outraged by this, all right? He's name-calling, he's insulting, and Paul is trying to be really, really clear here. What he's saying is, safeguard your faith. Don't be confused, don't get it twisted, don't get trapped. Don't listen to people who say that you need more to be saved, that say that you need to check their boxes. Let's see what it says next. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. All right, what he's saying? Put no confidence in human effort. We don't put confidence in religious ritual. We don't put confidence in checking boxes. All right, now if you're a little thrown right now, that is 100% okay. Because many, many of us grew up believing that it was religious rituals that made us right. It was following all the rules that, that dictated whether or not we were really saved. Whether that was baptism or communion or the list goes on and on. Like we, so many of us grew up in a tradition like this. And so for those of you who go, man, I like my religious rituals. Let me just clarify something really quick. There's nothing wrong with the religious ritual by itself. Y'all, I think baptism is an incredible symbol of, ch of changed lives. I think all of us that have believed, I think we should express our faith in this way. I think that communion is an incredibly intimate and, and wonderful way for us to remember what Jesus has done for us. I, I think that coming to church is awesome and we learn a lot. I think that worshiping pleases God. I think that reading our Bible and praying, all good things. It's when we start to believe that those things can save us that's when we get ourselves into trouble. It's when we believe that we have to do these things to be saved. That's when we get trapped. And what Paul is saying is that we can't put our faith in those things. We can't put our confidence in our own effort, in the boxes that we can check. Right? Paul was confident, y'all, and he was clear. He says our confidence isn't, our confidence in whether or not we're saved has to be in Christ alone. And so here's the question that we really, really need to wrestle with. How does Paul know? How does Paul know that the Philippian believers don't need to follow all of these religious rituals? Shoot, how does Paul know that we don't need to follow religious rituals to be saved? How does he know that we don't need to check all these boxes? How is he so confident all right, let's read what he says next. He says, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who deemed the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. All right, if you don't know what all of these things mean, don't worry about it. What it's important is that we recognize is that Paul was a big deal. Paul had every credential, had every box checked, all right? Have y'all ever been to like a doctor's office and it's like their name and then like 500 letters, like way too many letters after their name? All right, that was Paul. He had every credential that he could possibly have. 
And these Jewish Christians were telling the Philippians that they needed to follow these old Jewish rituals and laws in order to be saved. Rituals and laws, that real talk, all right, they even struggled to follow, that they even felt trapped by. And Paul's standing there saying, look, I have all of those things. I have done all of those things. I have checked every single box plus more. Y'all, he had every credential, followed every religious ritual, followed every law. If anyone could have confidence in their own effort, it was Paul. He was absolutely an authority on following religious ritual and law, an expert in checking the boxes. Some of us are experts in checking the boxes. But let's see what Paul says next. He says, I once thought that all of these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Y'all, Paul's life's work had been following religious ritual, had been following the law with zeal for the entirety of his life up to that point. But it didn't give him purpose. And it didn't give him joy. And then he met Jesus. And all of these things that he had cared most about, the things that he had lived for, he called worthless and garbage compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus. All right, these things, these religious rituals, these laws, these boxes, they can't save you. And these Jewish Christians, they were missing it. They were trapped in this old mindset and their confidence was what, in th what they could do, the religious rituals that they could do, the laws that they could follow, the boxes that they could check. And Paul says that's garbage. Our confidence should be in Jesus alone. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself, with saving us, it depends on faith. Not religious ritual, not following religious laws, not checking all of the boxes. I become righteous through faith in Christ. Do you have the confidence that Paul has? Or are you like these Jewish believers who wanted to rely on human effort, who rely on checking the boxes? Because if that's you, you're missing it. If you've never, if you've been kind of like you're like lagging and you're going, okay, Sherry, I think I'm with you. I'm not really sure. But if you've never believed in Jesus, let me tell you right now, there is a God of the universe who loves you, who loves you so much that he sent his son to die, to live a perfect life and to die in your place. And all you have to do is believe in him to be saved. That's it. You go, well, Sherry, do I have to be a good person? Nope. All right, do I have to follow all the rules? Nope. Do I have to follow the rituals? Nope. Are those good things? Sure. But none of them are required for you to be saved. All you have to do is believe. If that's you today, 
and you feel like that thud in your chest right now, if that's you today, we're gonna pray in just a second. So you hold tight, all right? And for everybody else, for all of you who have already believed, whether that was yesterday, a year ago, or 50 years ago, it doesn't matter. Let me tell you, getting this, understanding what Paul is saying here, it doesn't just give you confidence in your salvation. It gives you a better life here and now. Because confidence frees you to live your purpose. And purpose is the pathway to joy. Y'all, we say this a lot around here, but there is a U-shaped hole in the world, a hole that only you can fill because there are so many things that only you can do. And you can't live your purpose if your attention is on checking boxes, if your attention is on checking the boxes that make you feel good enough, of checking the boxes of some religious standard, of checking the boxes of other people's standards, or shoot, maybe even checking the boxes of your own standards. Our confidence can't be in what we can do. Our confidence cannot be what in, in what in we, can, we can do, but in what Jesus has already done and what he wants to continue to do in and through us as we live out our purpose. You see, this topic is especially important for me because I'm particularly bad at this. I'm really, really hard on myself. I put really high standards on myself. And I constantly, constantly have a million boxes running through my head that I feel like I need to check off to prove to myself and to prove to others that I'm good enough. And I think a lot of people are like me. And you have this voice in your head that echoes that coach that told you that you weren't good enough, that echoes that critical parent or that teacher that told you that you wouldn't amount to anything, that echoes that family member who always puts you down that echoes that romantic partner um, who, who withheld love. And so that voice in your head echoes those sentiments and relentlessly tells you that you're not enough, that you need to be better, that you have to do more, that you have to prove yourself, that you have to prove that you're worthy of love. And so you fight and you claw to check boxes off, to make yourself feel like you're enough. All right, that was me. That is me. I lived in this cage. And the way that I felt about myself was completely dependent on the boxes that I could check. The way that I felt about myself was completely dependent on what I could do. And no matter how many times I heard that my confidence should be in what Jesus had done, deep down, I still believed that I needed to be good enough. And then something a little bit crazy happened to me. I had, um, I had a vision. And so last year, I went on a retreat, on like a women's retreat. And during, uh, during this retreat, there was like a moment where we were in this little chapel having kind of like a, a prayer service. And um, in this chapel, it was really chilly. And outside, the only sound you could hear was rain because it was just absolutely pouring down rain outside. And I was sitting in, the, in this row praying about this exact thing, praying for freedom from this exact thing. And all of a sudden, I wasn't chilly anymore. I was warm. And I didn't hear rain anymore. I heard the sound of like birds and bugs, like the kinds of sounds you hear when you're outside. 
And so I opened my eyes and I was standing outside. The sounds of birds and bugs all around me. This massive, beautiful green field out in front of me. And the sun was shining on me. That was the warmth that I was feeling. And I started to look around and I realized I was standing on this long dirt road that was extending almost as far as I could see in either direction. And I continued to look around. I looked kind of behind me and there were these tall, tall like pine trees that were up behind me. It was gorgeous. And so as I turned back around, suddenly there was a man standing right in front of me. And I immediately knew that it was Jesus. And he looked into my eyes and he said, I've given you the keys to the cage that you're in. You have to leave. And almost desperately, I started to plead. I said, I, I don't know how, I don't know what to do. And he just stopped me. He said, no, you have to leave. You have to go. And almost as quickly as it had started, it was over. And I was back sitting in that chilly chapel with the rain pouring down outside. You know, I know what it's like to live in that cage where you don't feel like you're enough. And I don't know what puts you in your cage. I don't know if it was the boxes that your up, religious upbringing told you that you needed to check. I don't know if it was your parents' standards that they put on you. Shoot, I don't even know. Maybe it's the standards that you put on yourself. I don't know what puts you in your cage. But what I do know is that you have been given the keys to the cage that you are in. Confidence opens that cage. Your confidence in what Jesus has done can free you from that cage. If you wanna live with purpose, you can't stay in that joy-sucking cage anymore. You're not going to find purpose in that cage. You are never going to find joy living in that cage. You're never going to find purpose checking off an endless list of boxes. Your confidence cannot be in what you can do. Your confidence has to be in what Jesus has already done. you guys pray with me? So Jesus, we thank you because you are enough. We thank you that you gave yourself and that we no longer have to rely on our own efforts. And if you're in here right now and you've never believed before, I'm gonna say a prayer. You can say it with me, you can say it out loud, you can say it in your heart, in your mind, however you wanna do it. But you just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I believe. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I make mistakes. And I believe that you gave yourself for me. And I believe that your sacrifice is enough for me. And for all of us. You've given us the keys to the cages that we're in, God. And your sacrifice is enough. Help us to have the boldness to walk out of that cage and to see that you are enough. In Jesus' name, amen.